0: Here you've got episode 215. There is no mistaking, the body just doesn't quite respond the way that it used to. When we'd hit a quick juice cleanse to get into a dress or we'd smash some cardio to get fit for drinking season. (laughs) Hell, maybe that's never really worked, but you know through the sheer reality of living your own life, that burning body fat and getting yourself into a shape that you're happy with just doesn't come easily anymore. And it feels like it's never going to happen. The truth is that things for women over the age of 40 are different. And so if you want to know why and how it's different so that you can have a practical and realistic strategy to dig your way out of this problem, then you're in the right place. Because on today's episode, we talk about some of the food stuff, some of the mindset stuff, some of the practical body stuff that needs to be applied in this chapter of your life so that you can see positive, sustainable change over time. If that's what you're here for, then let's get into it. What's up, my healthy friends? Here we are for another year of making amazing content. Well, that's a bit self-indulgent, isn't it? Making amazing content for you, putting it out there. Uh, Snap up all the freebies you can, I say. (laughs) (laughs) But for anybody that's looking to uh, take it a little more seriously and if you're feeling ready, willing and committed, uh, in 2023, it's my mission to coach 500 people to stop the binge eating and savage self-talk cycle so they can lose weight without restriction and feel healthy and confident in their own skin. Which might sound like a romantic idea, but that's exactly what we do inside of our programs and inside of our coaching. And the focus is less about the food and more about the stuff that goes on between your ears. The conversations you have with yourself, the way you feel about yourself, learning abilities to accept yourself, to understand how you got here, to give yourself grace, love, care... All of those things whilst also being realistic and implementing real strategies in order to make sure that your body moves in the direction that you want it to. And that can take a bit of time and that can take a bit of understanding. But most importantly, it takes a shift in mindset, which is why that's the way we do things. So, if you want to be one of the 500 people, then please... Get us off to a roaring start by going down to the show notes, clicking the link and getting in touch with us. Uh, Anyway, today's episode, here we go. We're kicking off the year 2023 with an episode about losing weight because it's uh, January and this is the time where a lot of people are focused on that, although I've been doing this for years and nobody's ever not focused on that. It's just in January, we're feeling a little more uh, maybe compelled to do it after December just loading on all of the food and all of the good times and all of the vibes, which is not a bad thing, by the way. Don't go punishing yourself for enjoying December. Uh, But anyway, what I want to talk about is specifically weight loss for women over the age of 40. And disclaimer, I am not a woman and I am not over 40. (laughs) Everything I share with you today is a combination of research, textbooks, but Also, and more importantly, actually working with lots and lots of women over the age of 40. And so, whilst I am a man and I'm not 40, I do in fact understand through sheer experience of observing, communicating, talking, experimenting with these uh, people that I've worked with over the last few years, that things do get a little tougher and things do go a little differently when you hit that age. And particularly when we're starting to consider perimenopause and menopause as well. And I think these things are poorly understood. And whilst we're on the topic of poorly understood perimenopause and menopause things, one of the things you should expect to happen which is not sexy it's not popular it's not amazing is that you actually should soften as you get a little bit older because as parts of your body start to slow down and shut down their hormonal production what your fat cells actually do is they take over the role they take over the job and so there is some fat that should be kept and should be maintained and should be there to take over the role of the other hormonal systems that have down-regulated. And this is not something many people talk about. They just talk about weight gain and it being bad. It's actually a normal part of your evolutionary function and your health. And so trying to run away those extra few uh, kilograms or pounds that are actually there for a really important hormonal reason could cause further hormonal damage right? But I think for many people, they don't understand this. And obviously, the amount of weight is going to vary. Should it be a couple of grams? Should it be a couple of kilograms? At what point uh, should we pass that stage and maybe lose some weight again? This stuff is confusing. It's going to be different for you and it's going to involve experimentation. And I think these things are also not really talked about, which is much like our Western culture. Western culture does not really look at women above the age of 40 as Of any value. And I think that's a fucking atrocity. Genuinely, genuinely. If we look back in time, the function of women and females, you know, as we age, is they become healers, they become wisdom keepers, they become spiritual guides and leaders, and, and I'm talking in tribal days, and they have a real real utility for the wisdom of the tribe and the direction of decision making and the influence over the raising of children and the next generation and making sure that everybody is well fed and organised. And now this is not me projecting uh, gender ideologies onto you, it is me saying that It's only in recent history that we really started to, you know, neglect or ignore this group of women over 40 because they don't have, you know, that sexual prowess that sells in marketing and advertising. We don't even really unless you're Meryl Streep, we don't really see it in movies either. The the women over 40 represented uh, and nor in advertising nor anywhere. Uh, And I think this is I think it's terrible. And so Women have obviously, fucking obviously, um, such an important role in every possible aspect of society. Irrelevant of age. And actually, I would say the older women get, the more relevance they have because they have (laughs) knowledge and experience and wisdom and intuition that, you know, men could... V- very rarely rival, uh, you know, this deep knowing and inner understanding, which is just, it's beautiful and it's profound. And I'm all about it and I'm here for it and I love it. Um, and so I want to talk to you today about weight loss moving into this phase of your life. And I like to refer to this phase of the journey for women as the wisdom years, because traditionally that's what they were viewed as healers, wisdom keepers, spirituality leaders. This is deep. Deep wisdom on a cellular level, and we need to actually start harnessing this in the modern world because it's ignored. And many other cultures outside of Western culture really do look after their their older women and really do nurture them. And they're a part of the conversation when it comes to you know decisions about things they've got experience in, which is often uh, raising families and it's often supporting uh, different family members and family structures to be successful and present in the way that we want them to present and make sure that everything is managed correctly because yes believe it or not fellas women happen to be more emotionally mature than us (laughs) so they are better at handling a lot of uh, human to human stuff um anyway anyway i'm gonna get off my high horse uh and come back to the what we're here for, which is the nutrition, which is the physical body and looking after the body. So one thing I want to put up as a bit of a disclaimer, which is, I know, I get it. It's it's unsexy. It's unpopular to say this, but I pride myself on being absolutely honest and real with you. And that is that for many people, by the time they get to 40, 50, 60, there are significant cracks in the foundations of your health. And so, we get people that obviously sign up to health programs, even some of our programs, uh, and discover very rapidly that they might be able to eat correctly, but there's a bunch of other things that uh, need attention in order for them to actually shift their body weight. And for many people, that is really frustrating because they want it to just be food. And sure, it might have been just food as the answer when you were 25 or 30, but things change over time. And when when looking at any aspect of our health and irrelevant of our age, we have to consider all of the categories. Food and nutrition is just one. We've got hydration is another one. How many decades have you not drunk enough water every day? Toxins is another one. We live in a very toxic world, especially if you live in a city. Uh, we breathe in all sorts of horrific stuff. The water supply has got, uh, it's yes, it's clean from bacteria, but it often has un- unhelpful toxins in it as well. Uh, mindset. Mindset is how you literally show up to anything you do in your entire life. So, if you have had an unhelpful mindset for a while or you're in one now, then that is going to negatively impact every area of your life, which does not put you in a favorable position to actually be able to make positive change and accept the bumpy ride that it will inevitably be. The next one is relationships. Have you got healthy relationships or are they tense and uncomfortable? And yes, believe it or not, this affects weight loss because the longer you've been in this state... The, the higher your inflammation, the higher the stress in your body, the higher the cortisol. And that leads me to the next one, which is stress. Stress can come in all forms. It can come in the form of toxins. It can come in the form of unhelpful nutrition. It can come in the form of damaging relationships. And that relationship can be with yourself. Uh, you can have savage self-talk. We talk, you know, I mentioned that in the beginning, right? Uh, savage self-talk is really damaging because that influences your mindset, which creates stress, which usually leads to a set of behaviors that involves unhelpful food and nutrition. Do you see how it's all related? Another one, movement, making sure that you have been moving your body. If you haven't been moving your body in a significant way for weeks, months, years and decades there is likely some cracks in the foundation. And the final one is spirituality. And spirituality looks different for everybody, but it might be religion for some. But the way that I think about it is fundamentally that it is the general energy and perspective that you take to the way that you do anything in your life, right? And the way that you interpret The world that is happening around you, happening for you, happening to you—whatever framing you like to use. So, think about all of these categories contribute to weight gain, weight loss, the strategy you use, the cycles that you go in, how long you commit, whether you commit properly, whether you commit to the whole thing—all of those things, right? Uh, The other thing is that I want to mention is that if you are a woman that's over forty, it's highly likely you've been absolutely drenched, doused in skinny ideology weight loss marketing that is all about being skinny 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 to the point that you know for many decades people were actively trying to be anorexic like you would see the victoria secret models and think holy shit has somebody fed that woman in a month like legitimately i i, I remember thinking that as a you know in the 90s when i was much younger um i remember thinking like oh like those people look hungry uh and we went through many, many decades of that kind of marketing. And look, I think we're definitely moving in the right direction, where, st- um, in the sense that we're starting to, you know, have social media which is accepting of women of different shaped bodies, because some women have hips, and some women are tall, and some women have a naturally curvaceous bum, because nature and genetics says that that woman is meant to be plentiful to produce offspring. These things are biologically determined and they are okay and they are beautiful and they are amazing. Obviously, we're also starting to see things slip off the deep end a little bit too, which is, I don't believe is helpful, which is that we're starting to see, you know, the celebration of obesity and the movement of healthy at every size, which I think is actually a really toxic idea because it's really only been in the last, you know, 30-ish years that obesity has become normal and it's not become normal because it's beautiful. It's become normal because food companies and agricultural companies and government policy around food has been directly related to profit and not health. And so I don't think that us championing people to be obese and own their obesity as piece, uh, as a part of their identity, I don't think that that's a helpful thing. But accepting people of all body shapes and body types is a good thing. I also think being happy at every size, absolutely. Being worthy of love, attention, care and affection at every size, absolutely. Healthy at every size, absolutely not. Because the reality is that different sized bodies and the composition of those bodies predictably lead to disease outcomes and the shortening of your life. Therefore, healthy at every size is a fallacy. So my point is that after decades and decades of exposure to um, dietary philosophy and and what is sexy and appealing and what you're meant to be is going to have influenced your life and the way that you see yourself in the mirror, the way that you feel that you should show up maybe sexually with your partner or just simply being in a bikini on the beach or, or being on the beach at all or having the confidence to even, you know, have any part of your skin showing. Like, This ideology has been trampling your self-esteem for decades, so we have to factor this in as well, that we might need an adjustment as to what the right ideology for you is, and that will be different to me and the next person and the next person and the next person. What is acceptable for you? What is important for you? What is right for you? Away from the marketing and advertising bullshit that is pushed down our throats about how women should always look 25, always should look hungry, uh, and basically have no relevance if they're not sexually promiscuous, right? Or sexually appealing. And that's just fucking bullshit, right? So let's throw that shit away. Anyway, I want you to consider all of that. All of that is a part of your journey. And it's all all of it's contributing to the state of health that you're in right now. And it's multi-layered and it's potentially complicated. But also, if we get our mindset right, it's also potentially easy. We just have to commit to the fact that it is going to be a bit of a journey that will take a bit of time. It's not going to be, you know, 28-day program or we're not going to smash some weight loss and then feel better forever. It's not going to happen like that. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But if you're over 40, you've, you've probably already worked this out, right? You've probably realized, oh... Things in life don't happen overnight. So, I want to give you some things uh, that will help on the journey. I want to give you some food-related things. I want to give you some nutrition-related things. I want to give you some uh, mental things, some mindset things, some perspective things, and also uh, an opportunity to make change at the end. So, I want to start with number one, all right? Number one. So, if you are over the age of 40, um, starting to use apple cider vinegar before you eat, uh, is a good idea. And the reason is that apple cider vinegar actually helps mobilize some fatty acids. It increases the mobilization of fatty acids. What does that mean? It means that some of your stubborn fat in your body that you're trying to burn off, uh, apple cider vinegar helps sort of loosen it up so that. It can move into the bloodstream and actually be burnt, which is great. Now, you don't want to use apple cider vinegar if you're not about to eat. And you might actually include the apple cider vinegar as part of a salad dressing or on top of a steak or something like that because it's really good to help pre-digest things and it helps uh, raise the stomach acid. This is the reason you don't want to have it on its own. Apple cider vinegar shots by themselves without following it with food can lead to stomach ulcers because it raises the acidity of the stomach. And if food does not follow it to um, take advantage of that increased acidity, guess what takes advantage of the increased acidity? The side of your stomach, (laughs) which develops a stomach ulcer. So we don't want that. Uh, Number two, so coffee, coffee. I know, I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now I'm not telling you to give up your coffee. Um, and I say this as somebody that absolutely hates coffee, so I don't relate to the coffee addiction that everybody in Melbourne, the city that I live, <laughs> uh, has. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, I don't like the taste uh, and it actually I tried it recently for like the third time in my life and it gave me a headache. That wasn't fun. What I do want you to do is move your coffee, if you have one, amazing. If you have two, oh, yeah, it's not bad. If you have any more than two, then we need to start reducing this. So a lot of people think that coffee helps with their energy levels and their focus and all of that kind of stuff. Now, if you have a coffee straight out of bed, first thing, then you're actually causing yourself uh, a bit of an issue with your stress response. So there's a cortisol response that happens in the morning, which helps get you out of bed. You want to actually have your coffee after that. So, I recommend not having your first coffee until 90 minutes after you have gotten out of bed in the morning, right? And that's because we want to take advantage of the natural cortisol spike that will happen, which gives you the energy and the get up and go to actually, you know, get yourself out of slug position and move into operating like a human position. (laughs) So, I want you to have your one or two coffees, ideally black, ideally black, if we can get rid of the milk, this is a good thing, especially first thing in the morning, but we want to have those things in the morning, but 90 minutes after bed. Now, we if you want to continue consuming caffeine, I, I would suggest after the first coffee, moving to green tea, or even moving to green tea just across the board. I, I don't think that's a bad decision. Now, now there's a um, a molecule in green tea called EGCG. And EGCG is... it's a very potent, uh, powerful antioxidant and free radical scavenger. And so that helps us clear up a lot of the inflammation in the body. And most people that um, have not lived a perfect life up until they're 40 uh, have plenty of inflammation and uh, need lots of antioxidants and free radical scavenging. The other thing that it does is it helps block neurodegeneration which is becoming more and more of a thing because people are having high sugar diets, high vegetable oil diets for you know most of their life, uh, which causes the degradation of their neurons, of their brain, uh, and all sorts of shit goes wrong. So, ECG... EG, CG even, helps block neurodegeneration. It also acts as an anti-carcinogenic. It also helps uh, move heavy metals out of the body. And if you live in a city, it's highly likely you've got plenty of heavy metals in your body from simply breathing them in. Um, it also supports metabolic activities, which can help with weight loss and metabolic syndrome. Now, the American studies show that about 88% of Americans from the USA have some degree of metabolic syndrome, which is dysfunction as a result of eating a Western diet. So Australia is pretty much the same, basically. Um, and also along with that metabolic syndrome is that uh, consuming green tea and thus EGCG can also help with cancer, diabetes, heart disease, uh, and the neurodegenerative disorders that come along with all of those. And so we actually want to make sure that we have these stimulants these caffeine stimulants this coffee before we before 2 p.m really before 2 in the afternoon we don't want to be doing this after that time and the reason is that we don't actually get the coffee out of our system before we're asleep because the half-life of coffee and what that means is how long it takes the body to remove 50 percent of it from the body is eight hours so and that's just half of it right and so every eight hours Half, it goes down half, goes down half, goes down half. So, right? So, it's like 2 p.m. to 10 p.m., 50% drop. And if you have a coffee at 2 p.m. And then there's another 8 hours and there's a 50% drop, another 8 hours, a 50% drop. So, see? The coffee's not out of your system. Uh, not in sufficient quantities for you to actually benefit from going to sleep. And so, it can make sleep difficult. It can make... Uh, You might wake up multiple times. You might not get into that deep REM sleep, which is the really restorative recovery kind of sleep that you need to be in to burn fat, because we actually burn a fair amount of fat in our sleep. Um, So, you really want to make sure that this coffee is done and dusted in the morning, 90 minutes after you rise, but well before, well before 2 p.m., so that you can benefit um, and actually start developing a natural stress response that isn't hijacked by coffee because coffee jacks up your cortisol stress response. Um, All right. Thing number three, vitamin D. Uh, And I would recommend as well, particularly for people that are really in that menopause phase, and we're talking maybe above 40, but we're talking more 50, 60, uh, is vitamin D, but from whole food sources. So you definitely want to supplement this. I highly recommend supplementing. Um, And the reason for that, for the supplement and whole real food, and it's difficult to get um, vitamin D from whole real food, so you have to have these foods on a daily basis or at least very regularly. The reason for that is that as we get older, we get thicker skin. (laughs) And that's not just because we're old and wise and, uh, you know, we've had lots of shit flung our way and we've gotten better at handling it. But literally, the ability for your skin to convert vitamin D or convert the sun into vitamin D gets more difficult and that process slows down. Your skin gets, quote-unquote, thicker so that, uh, yeah, you're less able to convert it. So actually consuming it orally uh, via food and or supplements is a good idea. This does not mean you shouldn't get sun. You should absolutely get sun on your bare naked skin. Do not stop that practice because there are far more benefits than just vitamin D. You'll still get some by the way. It's not none. You absolutely should get out there. And the amount of benefits that our brain receives and our mental health receives as a result of getting real sun into our optical cavity, a.k.a. our eyeballs, is very high. So we need to be out there every day, multiple times a day, particularly in the morning, right? Anyway, whole real food sources of vitamin D. These include mushrooms, particularly maitake mushrooms, um, portobello mushrooms, although the famous mushroom professor in the world... uh, Professor Paul Stamets, he says to steer clear of portobello mushrooms. So just side note, I don't know why, but uh, that's a thing. Um, Salmon. Salmon's really good. But remember, uh, Aussie salmon is pretty much fucked uh, because of the fish farming that happens in Australia. Um, So make sure that it's naturally hunted, aka wild caught, right? Um, Halibut, also a really good option for vitamin D. Trout, another one. Canned tuna, another one. And by the way, whilst we're here talking about vitamin D, don't listen to this kind of crap because it's going to be easy to get sucked into this marketing wormhole. And by crap, I mean fortified breakfast cereals. Don't listen to that kind of crap, right? There's going to be lots of vitamin D advertising in the cereal aisle and the the muesli aisle. Just don't like it's not worth it getting a bit of vitamin d whilst also being punched in the guts and given you know 10 kilograms of body fat it's not a good way to get your vitamin d so i don't i don't recommend fortified breakfast cereals by the way you're going to get loads of advertising for it Um, also the same with milk you'll see lots of fortification with milk Uh, again be careful if you've got issues with dairy or inflammation might not be a good idea um Eggs, eggs are another good one to get in there, um, and I guess as well making sure that you eat some of those, some of the fish with the bones, and the one that I mean is obviously like your sardines, right? Um, eating them with the bones because the bones contain calcium and vitamin D. So these are the types of foods that you want to include in that list um, on a very regular basis, as well as getting outside, as well as supplementation. And with the supplements, you want a vitamin D3 and K2 combination. That's what you want. All right, number four, you want more protein in your life. Um, so the recommendations are what I would say lower than they should be. However, that's just my personal opinion. Uh but basically, you want to increase your protein because your protein synthesis uh, slows down a little bit as you get older and it moves in the direction, unfortunately, of sarcopenia and atrophy. And this has got a lot to do with the movement category. So many people are sitting down at desks or um, have been stuck in a certain set of behaviors and routines for decades by this point, And therefore, there are parts of their body and their brain which are atrophying. They're dying, they're shrinking, they're falling off, basically. Um, and so we actually want to increase the protein in the diet so that we can um, make sure that this is not happening and we're supplying enough protein to rebuild these tissues but in conjunction with this is we actually want to be moving more so you want to be moving more and, and I recommend resistance weight training Now, there are lots of ways to do weight training, so you don't just have to go into the gym with the meatheads and you're not going to get bulky. Trust me, I'm a man with testosterone and I have tried very hard to get bulky. (laughs) I definitely gain a little bit of weight and a little bit of definition, but it's so hard to get bulky. I wish it was easier. My point is that there are a few select women in the world that do bulk up quickly and they are very much in the minority, right? So you want to lift weights. You can do resistance training as yoga, as Pilates, um, as you can do it as uh, Zumba like you could do it i mean that's a bit more cardio than than resistance but there's a bit of both in there uh you could do it as animal flow so if you haven't heard of animal flow check that out i think that's a really really good uh good practice to do as well gets us back to our primitive nature of movement Uh, i think it's really good so we want to combine this increased protein with also with increased movement so that we actually are utilizing the muscles because the truth is that um When we're in a situation with uh, aging and and it's not 40 plus, from the age of about 30, we start losing body mass. And by body mass, I mean specifically muscle. So even I have been losing muscle for a couple of years, although I haven't been because I go to the gym enough and I eat plenty of protein. So this is the point, is that if you do nothing or if you stay the same as you age, you're technically going backwards because your body is naturally degenerating. And it's only degenerating because there are parts of it that you are not using, right? So, we need to increase the protein consumption, step one, uh, in each meal. So, we need to eat more protein across the day. Uh, And protein is usually in the form of animal protein. Sure, you can do your smoothies and milkshakes and whatever you'd like to do with some powders in there. I would not recommend whey protein. Um, But... uh, And that's just a general across the board. Sure, if I was to look at some of them, I might say, oh, that one's all right. But generally speaking, I think whey is not ideal, but you might want to move to your plant proteins My number one recommendation for plant protein is hemp because hemp seeds, and even if you can can use the actual hemp seeds even better, Um, hemp seeds are basically a complete protein, which is what you want. Uh, Many plant proteins are not complete proteins. Um, And so, yes, we want to put our um, protein up, movement up so that we can actually start changing things as we get older because anabolic resistance happens as we age, aka the ability to build muscle gets more difficult. So we have to be in a pattern. And this pattern has to be about wellness and health. You have to show up for yourself every day because it's good for you, not because um, you're trying to get buff and then you end up bailing on the gym because you're like, oh, I didn't get in shape or I didn't get slim fast enough. We've got to take a broader, more long-term view on the reasons that we actually show up for ourselves. Now, I also want to do a little caveat here, which is that um, you might have heard uh, about blue zones. So blue zones are the places in the world where there are a disproportionate number of centenarians. So people that are over the age of 100. Now they actually preach and their studies and research shows that a high carbohydrate, low protein diet is actually what is common amongst these blue zones and then you might be like well maddie the blue zone people say this why are you saying the opposite which is more protein and less carbohydrates and my answer to that is that i think a lot of these centenarians we have to realize if they're centenarians in the period of the study of the blue zones so the last 30 or 40 years they lived most of their life before now before the bullshit food industry existed before the stressful world existed the people that are born in those places today, I would put a decent amount of money down to say they will not live to 100 if they have access to the modern world, right? So, we have to be really careful about comparing apples with oranges because that's what we're doing when we look at a modern diet of somebody that lives in a city in the USA or Australia or a city in Europe versus uh, one of these blue zones. It's like, hang on, 70 years of that person's life, the very vast majority that contributed to the structure of that human, the metabolism of that human, happened before 1990, (laughs) right? And we basically didn't have an obesity problem until the 90s. Do you see what I'm saying? So just be careful when you're hearing information about the blue zones and information about your own life because you're living two very different lives. Uh, in very different eras of history, exposed to very different realities. Um, Anyway, and the other thing is, of course, muscle burns more fat than fat does. So, fat whilst it's chilling out doesn't really burn much of itself. However, the more muscle you have on your body, uh, and we've had multiple people on the podcast talking about the importance of this. The more muscle that you have on the body, uh, the more likely you are to actually have a higher resting metabolic rate because your body is burning all of the resources it needs to keep that muscle alive. Assuming, of course, that you keep it alive as well by simply moving your body on a daily basis. All right, number five, omega-3 rich foods. So this allows us to increase protein synthesis in the muscles, but also the Western diet has a very high ratio of omega-6s to omega-3s, which is actually the opposite of what we want, particularly in vegetable oil. Vegetable oil, you will have heard me talk about uh, loads. Of which I've done one of the most downloaded episodes we've got, episode 164, The Shocking History of Vegetable Oils. Highly recommend you go and check that out. But because the Western diet is so high in uh, vegetable oils, trans fats, uh, uh, and the really, really damaging stuff that is in all food, including health food, you've got to be really aware of what you're looking for. We've got a diet that's extremely high in omega-6s, which means that that is a highly inflammatory state for the body to be in. And actually, we want our omega-3s to be higher, significantly higher than our omega-6s. We don't want zero omega-6s, but we definitely want higher. And most people have much higher omega-6s. So we want omega-3 rich foods Because Omega-3s act in a kind of antioxidant kind of way, but they also help fight depression and anxiety. And there's a bunch of studies around that. Uh, They can help with your eye health, um, which we definitely want to maintain as we're getting older, especially with the amount that we sit in front of screens. And we should also be protecting our eyes with blue blockers as well. Um, Episode 111, if you want to learn more about blue blockers. Brain health, really important. Your brain is mostly made of fatty acids. um, So making sure that, uh, keeping in mind, omega-3 fatty acids are fatty acids. Um, Heart disease risks, they can manage your um, arteries really well and help manage the, I guess, Symptoms that come up from you know a highly inflammatory diet because obviously if we're too high in um, omega sixes and we and that's inflammatory and we push the balance back in favor of omega threes then we're reducing the overall inflammation in the body which is going to have a, po- a positive impact on the likelihood of literally any and every disease uh, because most disease fundamentally or all disease fundamentally is in regards to dysfunction in the body which is often produced for those outside of genetic mutation stuff. Um, is often produced by a state of heavy inflammation or free radical damage. Um, also metabolic syndrome, so you you know the stuff we talk about when it comes to being overweight omega-3s are really helpful in that regard um, and Also, there's a bit of research around um, how omega-3s can help autoimmune disease. Um, But more importantly, it's moving the body back in favor of less inflammation and supportive of what it's meant to be doing, right? The next one is number six, which is vitamin C. So vitamin C is a very powerful antioxidant and it can be used in copious amounts. The interesting thing is vitamin C does not store in the body. It doesn't store in the body. So if you eat it and you don't use it, Your body gets rid of it goes down the toilet basically so we have to make sure that we're consuming vitamin c regularly and that's because vitamin c helps oxidize fat and back to that managing inflammation so managing inflammation is really important making sure that we're putting in enough antioxidants to manage the chaos that modern life causes us is really really important because um, yeah otherwise that inflammation builds up and it goes unchecked and then it leads to fat gain and stress and high cortisol and all of these types of things Um, so it's really important that we do that now number seven is Intermittent fasting. And I say intermittent fasting, but I want you to not hear intermittent starving. Intermittent fasting is not about who can not eat for the longest period of time. It is, however, about understanding the frequency and the amount of times that you should eat each day. And that will look different for everybody. If you are a woman that still has her cycle, then you should actually go through a rotation every month of changing what you do each week. Uh, and and I've got a protocol and a system uh, in my program in, in regards to how you should do this. And the reason for this is because you're meant to be nurturing your body. Like, especially when you're going through your cycle, you're meant to be nurturing your body. And if you're a woman that is in menopause or you don't have a cycle and you didn't nurture your body through your cycle, then we need to do the same in menopause. We have years and years of recovery to make up for. So intermittent fasting is about knowing when to eat for you, knowing which food to put in when, how many times a day, and how to manage those decisions around your hormones and what the feelings in your body mean and tell you so you know how to go about eating in a way that actually helps you rather than leads to binge, sugar, craving, you know, diving your head first into chocolate and pizza and wine. So, I think intermittent fasting is really important because there's huge benefits for weight loss and metabolic syndrome, aka pre-diabetes, insulin resistance, uh, You know, dementia, it's now called type 3, uh, Alzheimer's is now called type 3 diabetes, again, related to this metabolic syndrome and sugar. So intermittent fasting allows us a way into solving that problem in a really healthy and manageable way. But don't listen to the people that tell you to just go 16 hours or go 20 hours without eating. If you're not familiar with that, that's just going to lead to ravenous hunger uh, and therefore binge eating. So, we've got to get it right. It's got to be cyclical. It's got to be related to your cycle and your hormones. The next one, which is kind of the same, is number eight, is your hormones. Uh, and not just not just necessarily... Uh, female hormones per se, but also your insulin, your leptin. So, leptin is the thing that tells your brain that you're full. Many people have degrees of leptin resistance, so you don't actually get the full signal to the brain, and that's common in people that are overweight. So, we've got to figure out a way to recover that part of the brain, which is totally doable, by the way. Um, But the other thing is too that... For women, um, that especially above 40, weight moves into the belly area. It might have been like on your thighs or on your bum or in other places or on your arms. And you might notice that it's starting to appear on your belly. And that's because as you get older, the estrogen goes down. Things start to switch off. And by relative measurement, because the testosterone doesn't really change too much. or And for some people in this phase, testosterone actually does go up. But because there's less, less estrogen, it actually moves the body fat to a place where men get it because they have high stress, high testosterone, right? And so they have lots of belly fat. But as the estrogen goes down for women, that body fat moves to the belly area. Um, and also in men, we often call the belly fat stress fat because often that's a result of uh, fat that's unlocked in reg- in regards to a stress response. So a high cortisol, high adrenaline environment. And then it's repackaged because most of us aren't actually running away from a wild boar <laughs> or someone with a knife or something terrifying. So we don't actually burn the energy and the energy just gets packed up again out of the blood and it goes onto the belly. And so... Nobody likes that, right? So, we, so whilst there's a drop in estrogen, we actually also do need to make sure that we manage the stress response and the testosterone and this can be accompanied with weight training. Weight training is really useful here. The other thing is with a drop in estrogen and this is a really normal thing is that it actually means that you are hungrier. Estrogen is a part of your feeling full response and when it drops, it means that you want to eat more for longer uh, and so you're hungrier and that results in an increase in consumption despite being in a physical body that needs less, right? This This is the conundrum of being a woman it sucks, right? It sucks that we've got to do all of this extra stuff. Um, and there's plenty of shit going wrong for men, don't worry. But this is one of the things that happens when it comes to menopause. And so, what I, what I want you to know is that this is normal. This stuff is normal for your body, for your biology, for your hormones. But there. All of this stuff is stuff we can do to move in the right direction of it. Doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight and it doesn't mean after 40 or 50 years in one direction, we're going to see results overnight either. It might take a little while for us to get a healthy body before your healthy body is ready to let go of the body weight, right? Number nine, mindset and mindfulness and this includes stress management. So, Getting your head right and removing the savage self-talk out of that conversation, incredibly important because if you continue to beat yourself up, if you continue to play the victim, if you continue to feel like a failure or choose to look at yourself awfully, then we're not going to get anywhere because somebody that thinks like that inevitably finds a way for it to fail and some of those people already know it's going to fail before they've started because they've decided that th- this is the luck I have. This is why I mentioned at the start, spirituality is a really important uh, aspect of this because it's about changing your fundamental way of thinking about yourself and about your life. And the idea of changing beliefs is huge, right? Like it's like, whoa, I've got to change what I believe. That's that's insane. Like how am I going to do that? That also doesn't happen overnight, right? Clarity proceeds action. Clarity proceeds action. So, the only way you can get clear on ideas and strategies and belief systems is to just act and start collecting evidence. You will become clear on what's going on once you see evidence and the evidence happens from your action, right? Here's a better strategy as well. Don't don't worry about changing your belief. Just assume that you hold a different belief. Just Just pretend for a day just just be like i'm going to assume that i have this belief and see what happens assume don't believe it's much easier to assume just be like oh for this meal i'm going to assume i'm a healthy person i'm going to i'm going to make all the decisions a healthy person would and just see what happens and then go back to being me after that that's not terrifying at all the idea of like you must believe something different might be a bit overwhelming so we need a good mindset mindfulness techniques, stress management, self-acceptance, the ability to let go, the ability to self-nurture, love, care, the ability to put boundaries in place, right? We need all of this and that leads us to number 10 which is emotional eating and self-sabotage. We need to get our hands on this situation. I would argue that and the reason that I focus on this is because everyone I've ever worked with and this was before I was even really heavily into the emotional eating world, is that they fall off the bandwagon or self-sabotage or a situation comes up where they find a reason to behave differently or they can't actually see themselves or believe that they are deserving of good things because they have this cycle that they're addicted to. Like, we're all addicted. We're all addicts to our own story whether that be sugar consumption, whether that be the fact that we I couldn't possibly be a healthy person or I could never look like that or I could never achieve that, whatever stories we're telling ourselves, or of weight loss is too hard or emotional and self-sabotage stuff, it's too confronting and too heavy and, yeah, sure, I know I need to deal with this but, like, who's got time? I'm too busy. All of that. See, I'm this, I'm this, this is true, this is that, this is this. All of this, it leads to emotional eating. It confirms the world that we are in to be true. If the evidence you have for the world that you are in is your life and you continually refer to that, guess what? You're going to keep producing the same outcome by living the same life. Don't live the same year, 80 years in a row and call that a life because that's the same year on repeat. You can be someone different. You can... Work through your challenges. You can find other ways to manage your emotions and heal the pain and suffering and savagery and awfulness that has happened in your life. And I know you're probably like, Maddie, what do you know? What do you know? And trust me, there are some things I would love to share with you that would give you a lot of context, but I have experienced plenty of awful trauma in my life. And I'm not through to the other side of it either. But the point is, I've been spending a good 10 years at this point uh, working through that stuff Um, and it's about beginning the journey and it's about accepting that in order for me to have a better life, a better body, a better health status, a better feeling in who I am, I need to accept and commit to the idea that I am going to be different and that different is a little bit scary and it is a little bit unknown everything I've done on repeat for the last 20 or 30 years has continually made me miserable. And I think I'm addicted to my misery. I'm addicted to the cycle or I'm addicted to the sugar. And I need to believe and assume and hypothesize and experiment with being different. And this happens on a moment-to-moment basis. We can look at this overarching as like, oh, New Year's resolutions, this year is going to be different. But we actually need to break it down, moment to moment, meal to meal, snack to snack, and ask ourselves, what would the healthy version of me do? What would the better version of me do in this particular moment, at this particular meal, or do instead of this snack? Ask yourself that in the supermarket when you pick up the thing that you know that you really shouldn't. Ask yourself that when you go back to have more food. Ask yourself that when the waiter comes back to ask if you'd also like dessert. Ask yourself, what is the thing that that person would do? And just say, I'm going to try it on. I'm going to give it a go. Because if we can't get a hold of this emotional eating and this self-sabotage loop, which is exactly what I help people work on, all the stuff I've mentioned before is useless. You'll just literally go weight loss weight gain weight loss weight gain and as you know you rarely go back to where you started and on the way your hormones will get go more up shit creek without a paddle and all sorts of other things will happen your sexual confidence will tank if it hasn't already your self-esteem will tank you know and then there'll be all this guilt and all of this self-loathing and the self talk will get worse and worse and worse and it's just a spiral down 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 until we get to the point where you're on your deathbed and you wish you'd done it all differently I'm telling you now, use this as your call to arms. Use this podcast as your call to make change. Instead of taking the easy option of just surrendering every year until you're on your deathbed and say, I wish I did it differently, change it today. Change it today. Live like your deathbed's happening tomorrow. <laughs> And live the life you want to live. And a lot of people will say, yeah, Maddie, if I was living the life I wanted to live, I would just eat the pizza and I would just eat the chocolate. There's very few people that I know that have actually done that and say, yeah, I feel good about myself. I feel proud of the decisions I made. And it's not saying we should never do that because we should also practice the art of permission. But we're talking about the majority of your life here, the majority of your week, the majority of your day. We want to feel good, empowered, healthy, proud, and able to self-accept when things don't go right. And that's exactly why the program that I run exists. It's an emotional eating and body confidence program. And so, if you feel like this is a time for you to begin making change, and you want the support and accountability, I think that you and I should hang out. (laughs) If you scroll down to the show notes below and click the link, which will take you to a conversation with me on Facebook Messenger, and you can send the word PROGRAM in capital letters. Just send it over and we can jump into a conversation about starting uh, the year in a really positive way as part of our emotional eating and body confidence program because I want you and I want everyone to start making changes they need and in my experience, it's very difficult to do alone. There's a few people that can succeed alone and those people really don't need help anyway. There are most of us that are pack animals, that are tribe animals, that want to be loved and accepted and a part of a community of people with shared values. And it's really difficult to make positive progress if you're around people that don't share the vision for your health and your life that you have. And so I'm inviting you into a conversation with me. Scroll down to the show notes below and click the link, send me the word program and we can have a conversation about the emotional eating and body confidence program that I run. And you can join myself and a group of fans Fantastic women this year in order to make positive change with your health and I'm being totally realistic and honest with you some of this stuff is uncomfortable some of it is confronting some of it is fantastic and joyous and the results come as a result of doing the good stuff and the challenging stuff uh, it doesn't happen overnight we build a toolbox in the first chapter together we build a toolbox of understanding awareness before we move into the next chapter to use that toolbox and it actually takes months and months and months in order to use that toolbox in all of the different places in your life that you need in order to be able to create a healthy life which is why after the main Program, we then have the fantastic community of women that is called the Consistency Club. And we've had women that have been a part of that after they finished the main program since 2019. That's how long some of these people have been around, chipping away, and making the change. And if you want to be a part of that, I want you to be a part of that. Be a part of the first few of our 500 this year uh, and get involved. So I hope this has been helpful, this episode, and that you've picked up a few useful tips protein, vitamin C, intermittent fasting, hormones, well, protein, did I say protein? Movement, resistance training, vitamin D, coffee, getting your coffee right, a bit of apple cider vinegar uh, before meals. I hope that all helped. But if you really want some significant transformation, then come and hang out with us. Uh, If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend, share it in your social media stories. Please tag me, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of the platforms, Twitter. Um, I would love to see your tags and I get to see who's listening to the episode and I can give it a share myself as well um and if you're in our facebook group would love to hear your thoughts as well thanks so much for being here I'm really pumped for us to kick off this year together and that's a wrap so we'll catch you on the next one bye for now